So are you excited about coming to church tonight? Excited about the Word? Amen. Well, let's get back into it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. I believe we'll end this series uh, here tonight. Um, we've not been able to pick back up in St. Augustine still to this date. I think Pastor Brian said that some of them have been uh, getting online podcasting Valdosta because they're not getting it in St. Augustine because we're going in a different direction uh, at the time. And so we'll probably get there next Sunday. But um, we see this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of you want to see God? Amen. Now we know ultimately one day we're going to see Him, okay? But you understand, we can see Him now. We can see His effects. We can see His kingdom. We can see things in operation that are demonstrations of God. I mean, it was testified of Peter when he uh, healed a man at the gate, beautiful. He said, these, the, the, the Pharisees uh, and the scribes said, these men are uneducated and untrained, but they have been with Jesus. Recognize they have been with Jesus. Why? Because they did the same works Jesus did. And so here they saw this miracle, and they said, the last person who performed miracles like this that we know of, his name was Jesus. These guys have been with Jesus. They're doing the same thing, Jesus, which means they're seeing God because Jesus said this, if I cast out demons, come on now, then you know the kingdom's here. Right? I'm casting them out. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, then you know the kingdom's here. And did he do that in the name, by, by the power of the kingdom? Sure he did. Did he do it by the authority of his Father? Absolutely. Did he rule and reign in this life? Yes, he did. Did he overcome always? Absolutely. And he says, the works that I do, even greater works will you do. Hallelujah. So if he saw God while he was in the earth, and I understand he is God in the flesh, but still he emptied himself and he saw his Father. Because he says, if you see me, you see my Father. He said, the works that I do are my Father's works. So in essence, what you're doing is you're seeing God in operation through me. And the things that he did, he said, we can do. Amen. So God can be seen in your life. And you have to be the pure in heart. Amen? The pure in heart shall see God. So we went over to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And it's good to always do a little review because, you know, it stirs us up. Amen? And puts us in remembrance. I wish we could always remember everything the first time we heard it, but we can't always do that, can we? And so it's good to just stir ourselves up. But he goes on and says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, but man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. You understand this. <clears throat> if a guest came in the door today and walked into this place, they may say, oh man, this is a small church. Well, that may be an outward appearance, but this is not a small church. It's a beginning church. Period. Period. A church is really not even established in the community until it's about five years old. And even then, there's a couple more years that they really need to get because maturity needs to cycle. Pastor Darrell Huffman, whom y'all know, has been here at the church and ministered as well. When he was uh, down in Florida, he communicated to my wife. He said there's two very significant years in a church startup. The first one is the third year because it starts to deal with whether or not the church is even going to hang out and remain. A lot of trials, a lot of tribulations. Uh, if they can get past the third year. And I know for us down in St. Augustine, that was the, we called it the year of application. Okay? I mean, we were applying things. Uh, we were, and I, and I remember standing up in January and said, this year is the year of application. There's going to be a lot of things you'll get in this year that will seem contrary to the Word, but stay with the Word. Amen. 
And I, in fact, uh, we even got our leaders these dog tags that say, I made it through the year of application. I overcame. I mean, because you were fighting the good fight of faith. I mean, there were so many things that said something contrary. And you're saying, no, it's this way and it's no other way. God said it was this way. And I mean, you're persevering. Now, did we keep everybody in 2007? No. There were quite a few. When I say quite a few, there was a, a minority of people that just couldn't keep applying. And they fell to the wayside. But the church did grow and continue to grow, and a lot of people pressed through. Well, he said the next significant year in a beginning church is the seventh year because it marks its maturity. Amen. And we're getting into that year. So we're just fixing to find out how mature our body really is. Amen. And we want them to mature. We don't want little baby Christians. The Bible tells us to, to desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow by it, right? That we are to grow up in all aspects unto Him. And so, you know, we've been feeding the Word, preaching the Word, ministering the Word, just like Pastor Brian's been doing here. And we're at this third year threshold to where we're going to have to make a stand and say, you know what, we're here. And we're not moving. And we're not coming off because this vision is bigger. Because when God comes into this place, and is God here? Is God here? Look, the Bible says we're two or more gathered in His name. He's there in the midst. So God's here. Amen? And He said He inhabits the praises of His people. Were you worshiping tonight? He's here. And I'm going to tell you right now, God's not looking and saying, look at this podunk church, man. I mean, they ain't never... No, He sees vision, purpose, and destiny in you and in your lives to do exactly what He's ordained us to do in this city. Hallelujah. So we strive on. Why? You may come in and look at the outward appearance. Because I tell you right now, I've got some people plugging in with us that have known we've been there since the school when we were in a middle school. But they didn't show up. You know why? Because we don't look successful yet. And then we went over to the 312, and I mean, we get into that place, and it was Katie bar the door, trial, tribulation, right out the gate. I mean, I'm announcing to everybody on Wednesday night and prophesying and saying, now in the days that come, there's going to be trials. Remember that service? There's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, but understand this, be of good cheer, we're going to overcome it. The next day, the county came and said, you can't even be here. Well, I mean, I can't be here. I've called county... I've talked to the zoning um, person, and they say we were zoned. Well, they were wrong. <laughs> well, I've signed a, a lease, a three-year lease. I mean, we went from $2,000 a month in rent to $10,000 a month in rent. Okay? And I'm thinking, are you serious? I mean, in, in my mind, you understand? But I stayed calm. I said, okay. I said, well, who do I need to talk to? I said, you know, you just can't meet here. You know, it's illegal. I said, well, listen, I need some help. And I said, because I, I got a whole church coming on Sunday. So I need, you, will you let me meet Sunday? You know, and we hadn't broke 200 yet, but that Sunday we did. I mean, here's momentum. Let's go on to the other side. And the minute I get there, I'm having to preach. Uh, the county says we can't be here, but be a good cheer. We're going to overcome. We didn't make 200 again for a little while. You know why? Because nobody wants to come to a church. They think there's a trial going on. Well, then you might as well keep going to church. Because if you're going to live with God, you're going to have some trials and tribulations. In fact, Jesus guaranteed it. In this life, you'll have trials and tribulations. But what? Be a good cheer. Just smile about it. Get happy. Amen? And we got happy about it. We told our whole congregation. Then I found out by our attorney that the actual zoning law in our county was illegal. Because they had written it in such a way because they were trying to... Um, um, discriminate against churches. 
because other nonprofit organizations could actually meet in that space, and that is a um, um, a um, violation of a federal law, the RLUIPA. Okay, I won't get into all that, but I did some studying. I turned into an attorney for a little bit. Okay, and so I went down there and I said, "Now wait a minute. Now it says this: the spirit of intent. We meet the spirit of intent. No, uh, Pastor Earl, we've never interpreted that way." And I'm thinking, I'm in the interpreting business. I help people interpret documents correctly. So I understand you said it says accept these and it's listing these, but if, it, if it's not in the list, then it should go back to meet the spirit of intent and we meet that. No, Pastor, well, that's not how we've done it. Okay. And at this point, I already know that legally I can. So I, I, I talked to the attorney. He said, now you understand, they can throw you in jail through their position. They could do this, but you can legally stand. They're wrong. I said, we'll be meeting them. And we met anyway because I had legal uh, protocol to do so. Come on now. See, on the outside, things can look away, but we knew what God was doing on the inside. I knew God sent me to that place, and we sure ain't going to let no devil in hell keep us from it. Amen. And so at that point, all construction stopped. Remember that, Pastor Brian? I mean, we had this one little... uh, um, uh, construction that we had built, and there just one corner had sheetrock on it. I mean, you could have painted it like that. But for all that time, we never painted it. Didn't touch it. We didn't do a thing. We actually had to move. We were in like almost 10,000 square foot facility. We had to move back into the back that was only 3,600. Remember that? For about a month or two, because we could get in code back there. Huh? And one service, I had a guest minister from Oklahoma. His name was Jim Hockaday. We actually were outside having that service. That was the only service we didn't do inside. Everything else we did. Well, and we persevered. Well, what took place? Those who could stay, they grew in faith. You understand? Listen, church is not about us just, you know, having a good old time singing kumbaya and waiting on Jesus. No, it's about us having a vision from God, getting something on the inside of us, standing and believing and persevering and pressing through. And you want to be there from the beginning. <clears throat> Amy, when did you start coming? Three and a half years ago, she missed a whole lot of good stuff. And she's heard about it and thinking, man, I wish I'd have been there then. Because I'm going to tell you there, when they got there, they were thinking, man, we should have been here the whole while. Ain't that right? Amen. And so people are going to say that about us, but you know what? We can't get them here any quicker than they want to come in their comfort level, but we can persevere and remain and keep pressing, and it'll happen because what looks like on the outside today, God's seeing something else on the inside. That's how God's judging this work. And so God's judging this work based upon what's in our heart, what He's placing us, and are we being faithful with it. So last week, again, we saw Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I want to show you a few of these things. Again, we just want to build this because I told you I'm going to go a little bit further concerning the heart. Was this, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both of joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's the Word of God that gets to the heart of the matter. It's the Word of God that begins to deal with this motive of the heart. Okay? And the Lord, He's examining this thing because He wants our heart, what? Pure so that we may see Him. We don't want to be in prayer asking in wrong motives. And we just did, came out of some pre- preaching on prayer that we'll put together in a series and either bring it up or just preach it the next time we get into prayer actually here. So... With that, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on his 
on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. Remember that? He'll make your path straight. Okay? And then in Proverbs 4, verses 23-23, He says, My son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. This is Amplified. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, health and healing to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all, that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life, or the issues of life. So you understand this? We've got to guard this heart realm of ours. Now, God's placed in us a new heart. Amen? We have learned this, that God's placed in us a new heart. We've taken out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. That heart of flesh is something that's moldable, pliable, willing to submit to the will, purpose, and intent of God so that we can operate in the will and intent of God so we can see God move in the earth. Amen. Not doing it our way, but His way. And we want to do it His way because His way is our benefit. His way has us, um, the beneficiary, uh, of, um, of you know, what He said. Because you understand, the Lord, he's, he's got everything taken care of. He don't need anything. But when He sees you have a need, or He wants you to go so it's to be to your benefit, not only to you, but to the others that are around you. So it's out of this flow the springs of life or the issues of life, so we want to guard this heart realm. Now with that, we went over to Matthew chapter 13, and we started to recognize that there comes a problem in the heart that we need to guard ourselves from. Because... Listen, God gave us a new heart. God placed within our heart His love. For the love of God has been what? Shed abroad in our hearts. Which means we can love God the way He loves because He put that love in us. And our hearts want to obey God and do what God says because He's given us a new nature. Okay? But there are things that um, if we don't watch out, our hearts can start going dull. And we don't want to go back to a dull heart, and we'll push a little further tonight and talk about a heart that gets hardened. Okay? So he says this, and the disciples uh, came and said to him, Why do you speak in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them uh, it has not been granted. So he goes on and says, Listen, there's something you're hearing that they're not. Why? Well, he tells us in verse 14, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you'll not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but you'll not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. Okay? With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I'd heal them. So we see here that the people are hearing what he's saying, but they're not hearing and this becomes a problem, because if we just are hearing God's Word, but not actually hearing it, then our hearts are becoming dull. You understand, when you come to church, you ought to be excited about what God's fixing to say to you, and be eager to receive it. you got to want to be engrossed in the teaching and growing in the things of God, because if I go to John 3.16 and you go, oh yeah, I know that, that's dangerous. Because, you know, some of these scriptures we've go, we go through, you've heard maybe a hundred thousand times, maybe. Okay? But it, can there be more truth in that scripture? Could there be something else to pull out of that thing? 
So what you do is you've got to be eager in the realm of the Spirit by the Holy Spirit that lives in us and bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God, and He is called the Spirit of truth. Let Him reveal truth to us because we don't want to grow dull in the realm of the heart. We don't want to be, yeah, Pastor, he preached for an hour tonight. Yep, and that's all we heard was wah, 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 wah. Remember Charlie Brown, his teacher? Wah, 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 wah. I never got anything from her. We never got a tongue for that interpretation, ever. It never took place. So we never understood her. She just talked. Well, you understand, this is what the Word of God sounds like. More specifically, this is what the Word of the Kingdom sounds like for people who grow dull of hearing concerning the Kingdom. Because Jesus is very specific concerning the parable He spoke. It was the Word of the Kingdom. He jumps down verse 19 and says this, uh, Anyone who hears the Word of the Kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed uh, was sown beside the road. So he's given direct correlation that when people don't want to receive the kingdom and the message of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom, then they'll start getting dull of hearing. Now this is important because I was raised in a denominational church that the, the, the only real truth that was ministered uh, was that you needed to be born again. Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave. You need to make Him your Savior. And when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And that was really the extent of the message. And then from there, it's all about teaching you how to go tell people about Jesus. Evangelize them. Okay? And they really didn't teach us how to live by the Word. Just that we can't do stuff, shouldn't do stuff. You shouldn't want to do stuff. But, you know, you're going to do stuff because you're a sinner saved by grace anyway. And you're going to blow it. But thank God for His grace. And at least when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And that was the extent. We understand after you've heard that for so long, you can become dull of hearing. Because the truth is, really, no matter what I'm kind of doing, um, I'm going to heaven. I, I made Jesus my Savior. So you, church all of a sudden starts taking on a less meaning because you're not getting anything. Here's the cool thing about the kingdom. It is so huge and so big, we can't talk enough about it. There's so many layers to it. Amen. It's so, so huge, so um, 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 vast that there's so much within it because it is the forest. It's the big picture. And then healing and authority and faith and, uh, um, you know, um, uh, provision. All those are trees within the forest. And they're all planted in love. Because the character of the kingdom's love. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot to say about love. A whole lot to say about love. Most people can't handle the subject of love. They can't. But we're going to handle it. You know, we may launch off into love next. I tell you, we just might, launch, boom, just jump right on in it. Because love's very significant for us. Because without uh, faith worketh by love. Everything comes up out of love. Why? Because that love's in your heart. Everything's coming out of the unseen realm to impact the seen realm, so this realm's got to be right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if we're walking in the love of God and operating by the love of God and understanding what true love is, man, come on now. Because love, the love of God is not just acceptance. A lot of people reduce God's love to just, we accept everything. Well, we accept you. No, God does not accept unrighteousness. He says unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom. So there's a standard of living in the kingdom and love loves you enough to get you into a better position so that you can actually live righteous and have the kingdom available to you. Amen.
Hallelujah. Come on, you with me tonight? Okay. So, this gospel of the kingdom, when we're ministering all these subjects, we can't get dull of hearing in our heart. Paul had this same problem in Acts chapter 28. We saw this. Again, verse 23. It says, When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. From both the law of Moses and from the prophets, from morning until evening. You see this? Acts 28, 23. He goes on and says in verse 24, Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. They just wouldn't believe it. He's talking to Jewish people. He's showing them through their own writings what has been handed down from generation to generation. The law of Moses, he's talking about the kingdom. The prophets, they're pointing to the king Jesus. This is all about the kingdom. This is about the king and the kingdom. And he's showing all these things. Because his preaching again was what? He's preaching, he's teaching them, he's testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. In essence, he's identifying Jesus' role. Notice he didn't show Jesus crucified on the cross first. What he shows is there's a kingdom. And then what it does is it pierces their heart to say, how do we get into this thing? And he'll say, you must be born again. Because unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So he goes on and tells us then, in verse 25, And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving. After Paul had spoken one parting word, the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying... Now what he's doing is he's saying, he's recognizing these people have been coming in large number. He's been explaining it time and time again. And there are people who are not getting it. And in essence, he's saying this. He says, listen, I know what's going on with some of y'all. Some of y'all are what was prophesied by Isaiah. Because Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As the zeal concerning the law found blameless. This man studied it. This man lived it. This man was righteous according to the law that he was taught. But one day he was confronted with Jesus. Amen? He's confronted with Jesus. And from there his whole revelation of what he thought he knew concerning the law of the prophets changed because he, was, he identified who Jesus is. He's Lord. Okay? So he goes on and says, Go to this people and say, I will, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Therefore, verse 28, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. And when he had spoke these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. They were upset about that. Okay? Verse 30, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came in. What did he preach? Verse 31 preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Okay, you know, because we've taken time, but we're going to constantly keep in a, keeping our lens on that the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his offspring. As we saw in Genesis 1.26, that God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have dominion. 
over what? The fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the cattle, over all the earth. So God's original intent was for man to have dominion over the earth. Okay? Psalms 115, 16 says, The highest heavens are the Lord, but the earth He has given to men. So God wanted to rule man from the unseen realm into the seen realm through the unseen spirit of the man living in the scene of his body on the scene of the earth. Because we've thrown this question out. If Adam had never eaten the fruit that God said he shouldn't eat from, where would he be today? Okay? Because the Lord told him, he said, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for the day you eat of it you'll surely die. Well, if he doesn't eat, he doesn't die. And so Adam's not running around trying to get to heaven because he has a relationship with his dad who's king. Amen? But unfortunately, Adam did sin against God. And he, when he sinned, he disobeyed the word of the king. And death entered into the world. Sin entered into the world. And he gave his dominion to the devil. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the God of this world. Called him the God of this world. In fact, when he tempted Jesus, the last temptation in Matthew chapter 4 said it took him to a high pinnacle and he saw all the what? Showed him all the what? Kingdoms, not religions, but all the kingdoms of the world and said, these I'll give you. In essence, he's saying, I'll make you ruler of all these kingdoms if you'll do what? Bow down and worship me. In essence, swear your allegiance to me as king, as ruler. Amen. When we got born again, Colossians tells us that we are transferred from the domain of darkness, that's the authority and power of darkness, into what? The kingdom of His beloved Son. Jesus came to restore the kingdom, spiritually speaking. Later on, physically, we'll see a manifestation of this kingdom, but right now it's in the realm of the Spirit. Okay? And so, Jesus, who was the king, he told Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 33 through 37, when Pilate's asking him who he is, is he a king? He says, the people tell you about me, did you discover this on your own? He said, man, you're the Jews, hand, your own people handed you over to me. He said, yeah, I'm not a Jew. Right? And he says, look, my kingdom's not of this realm. If it were, my servants would not let me be handed over to the Jews, but as it is, my kingdom's not of this world. He says, so you, so you are a king. He says, you say correctly that I'm a king. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I've come into the world. And when he was born, after he's about two years old, some wise men showed up at the house. Who were they seeking? A king. They weren't seeking a religious leader. They were seeking the king. The king from another realm. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Isaiah prophesied concerning Jesus in chapter 9, verse 6. A child will be given to us, a son will be born to us, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. Amen. And verse 7 says there will be no end to the increase of his government. So Jesus all the while came as a king. Hallelujah. But now he didn't come to set up the reign as king in a physical realm because in Acts, when you read it, they're asking the question, Jesus, after he's died on the cross, rose from the grave, they're still fixated with him being king of the nation of Israel. Because this was prophesied that there would be a child within the line of David and on his throne would rule forever. Isaiah also prophesied that, chapter uh, 9, verse 7. But he tells them, he says, listen, that's not the time. This isn't it. It's not about a physical manifestation. I'm not staying here. No, it's about that the kingdom's within you. 
Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it says, The kingdom's not here and there, but it's in your midst, it's within you. And he tells us in also in Luke 20, uh, 12, verse 32, The Father has chosen gladly to give us the kingdom. Hallelujah. So this is what Paul preached. He preached the kingdom. He's preaching about there's a government that supersedes all government that you can be a, a, a citizen in. This is significant. Very significant. Because Paul called us citizens. He said we were ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors are a government position. In a government. They hold a, a position that represents the, the government um, you know, in a foreign territory. Well, Jesus even told us that we are in this world, but we're not of it. Which makes our ambassador position very uh, relevant at this time. Now you say, well, pastor, if you pass away, where are you going to go? Well, to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. And He's in heaven. But in the end, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And if you read Revelation 21, Jerusalem's coming down out of heaven, which is literally the bride of Christ. That's the bride of Christ, okay? So, let's go on. So, he's, he's preaching this. Well, once again, why are their hearts becoming dull? Well, it's because there's, he's ministering about the kingdom, and you know what? They just, they're not getting it. And from it, they begin to... I just can't receive this anymore. And so their heart becomes dull. Well, now this is a terrible progression. Because in Exodus, um, when you begin to start turning from the Word, another thing will happen to you. And in Exodus, we get this example. In Exodus, there's a man named Moses who sees a burning bush. Okay? And the, it's the Lord. And so he moves over towards it. And the Lord says, take your sandals off for this is holy ground. Correct? And so he has this conversation. And the Lord talks to Moses and says this. He says, listen, I've heard the cry of my people. Right? They're a nation within a nation. And I need you to deliver my people from Egypt. Come on now. Have you remembered the story? Do we need to go to a chapter and verse or can we talk like this? Okay. So he tells them, he says, I need you to deliver my people. It's God's people. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name turns into Israel. Israel has a son named Joseph. Joseph gets traded off into Egypt. That later on stockpiles a lot of food. So when the famine comes, the nation follows. They get in the land of Goshen. Joseph dies. And then a Pharaoh raises up that does not remember Joseph and puts that nation under uh, a taskmasters, they become a slave. Why? Out of fear that there's so many of them, if one of our enemies come through, they may side with them, overtake us, and we'd lose our property, our territory. So that's why they made them slaves. Well, Abraham knew this would take place because the Lord spoke to Abraham that this was going to take place. We're talking like 800 years previous. Abraham knew of this event. Okay? Well, now Moses shows up, and the Lord says, I need you to deliver my people. So it's his nation, where he's king. And so Moses comes in, and he tells, now he says this very specific, he says, Moses, you will be God to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be your prophet. Okay? Now listen to me on this. Catch this. Every time, because what's he say? He says, I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, when we read this, we think, my gosh, man, 
what chance does Pharaoh have? But you've got to keep it in context. How was Pharaoh's heart hardened? It was hardened every time the Word came forward. Moses did not speak his own words. He spoke what he heard from the Father. He went before Pharaoh and he says, The Lord says, Let my people go. Now, who has more authority? Pharaoh or God, the Creator of heaven and earth? Who should submit? Pharaoh. But because Pharaoh will not submit to the will and purpose of God the Father, spoken through the man Moses or Aaron, whichever one's talking, because if the prophet's talking, thus saith the Lord, it's thus saith the Lord. And so every time Pharaoh, and he goes, I don't know who your God is. What's taking place is, is he went dull of hearing in his heart, and he began to harden. Don't, don't try to tell me what to do. Don't try to give me instruction. Don't think you come up in here and you own this place. I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't know this God of yours. In essence, he's almost saying, you let him manifest himself. Because, you know, he's looking at all his gods that are a bunch of statues that he prays to. And then he sees his little son God, which actually God made his God. Come on now. Because in, in Egypt, they worship the God Ra, which is the sun God. And God made the sun. Okay. So every time Moses comes before Pharaoh, what takes place? Hardens his heart. Hardens his heart. I'm going to prove it to you again. After he delivers them, correct? And now we got the nation of Israel in the wilderness. What was that generation? Stubborn and stiff-necked. They hardened themselves from what? What God said. God said, if you'll obey me and keep my commandments, all the plagues that I put on Egypt, it won't happen to you, and you won't get sick. Right? But what did they do? He said, now listen, I'm going to give you some... Three days in, they complaining. They thirsty. You just brought us out here, Moses, to kill us. Well, now, obviously Moses didn't do that, neither did the Lord. He's what? Testing them. And so he has, says, Moses strike the rock. And water came out and they were provided for. Right then, out of all the miracles, they ought to say, well, God can take care of us out here. But they don't have no faith. Well, what are they doing? They're hardening their heart. God can't take care of us. Well, then he gives them water. You think, okay, he's good. But then what do they do? We're hungry. So the Lord says, okay, so I want you to, I'm going to make manna for you. There's going to be food for you. But you only pick up enough for your family. Why? Because the Lord knew that they start getting into business trading because they had all the wealth of Egypt. And if He allowed it to go on, people say, I'll pay you to pick up my supply. Or others would pick up so much that others couldn't get it and say, you're going to owe me for all I picked up. That's why it was only good for one day. Capitalism was shut down. Okay? Because He wants them to have daily bread. Be dependent on them. But what they do... The, right out of the first gate, they picked up more than enough, and if some for extra, and sure enough, there was this stench the next day. Why? Because they, they didn't do what he said. All the while, what's he doing? Testing. They're hardening their heart from the will of God. And so we've got to be careful and conscientious when it deals with the heart. The Lord has cleaned us up. The Lord's given us a new heart. The Lord's given us a heart of flesh that wants to do God's will. The Lord has given us a realm of the Spirit that wants to hear the Spirit of God and love and follow God. And we've got to make sure that all of a sudden we don't get lifted up in pride or all of a sudden start looking at the things of God in the church of God or the Word of God as, oh yeah, I heard, don't do that. That's dangerous. 
We want to be passionate to hear what else could God say. Even if it's something you've already heard, at least it's strengthening you. I know Pastor Brian and I, when I was here last Monday, we got up and went to the gym. We stayed up a little late, and I was laying in the, on, his, on his couch, and I was cold most of the night, you know. And um, not that I couldn't have turned up the heat, you know, or find another blanket. I just didn't do so. And so I'm kind of cold, and I'm thinking, Lord, let Pastor Brian sleep in. Let him sleep in, Lord. I don't want to get up and go work out. You know, I want a rain check. I mean, I'm thinking this to myself, okay, because, you know, we went to bed kind of late, and next thing you know, it seemed like I'm up all the time. And then I'm, I finally, you know, get some sweatpants on and start getting warm, and I've only got 45 minutes before the alarm's going off. And I'm thinking, Lord, put him in a deep sleep, Lord, deep sleep. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, if he comes out, I'm going to have to swear to my own hurt. Now, he would let me off, but I'm thinking, what example is that? That I couldn't show myself putting down my flesh and getting up and driving on. No, I'll get up if he comes out. Sure enough, man, a little bit after seven, 6 o'clock, here he comes, walking in with little shorts. Got his little um, uh, kid's um, dinosaur that's got a flashlight, and it says something crazy. It roars at you. And it says, oh, did I scare you? Rawr! Did I scare you? And I saw it coming, so I was, hey, because I didn't want to hear it growling. You know, didn't want to wake up the kids. So maybe we should have done that, and then he wouldn't have been out of leave. No, Pastor Cheyenne would have had all three of them in the bed, and we'd have still went, probably. Anyway, we got up and went. Well, we worked out on a couple of things. Our bicep, tricep, did some stomach. Now, we didn't hit it too hard, did we? It wasn't hard. You know what? It really wasn't a big deal. You know, but we got the fellowship. We got the chit-chat. We did do something profitable for our muscles. But we didn't exert them real bad. I mean, it's something that I've done before. It was pretty lightweight. I mean, he had us doing like 15 reps and stuff. So it was light. It wasn't like really demanding. He worked out harder than I did. And, uh, you know, but it was beneficial. And what we do, we don't want to ever get to a point where the Word of God is like, oh, I know that. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, we're praying again. Oh, we're singing that song again. Oh, we're... No, we want to be, Lord, there's something new. You could just speak to me today pastor may say it on an angle that he said it before, but to dear, by the Spirit of God, you could show it to me differently. And keep our hearts sensitive and pliable. Why? Because we want to keep our hearts soft before the Lord. Which brings us to this scripture tonight, 1 John chapter 3. We'll close with this one. So we don't want to harden our hearts. We don't want to develop a hardened heart. But I'm going to tell you, just because we're born again doesn't mean our hearts can't get hard. In fact, the Bible says in the end times, it's going to get bad and that people's love will wax cold. What? We're talking about in the church. In fact, one of the letters to the church in, churches in Revelation, what is it, the Laodius? Thank you. That church, he says, you were neither hot nor cold, but you were lukewarm. And he wanted to have a throw-up service. I don't want God talking to us about throw up. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want to see the Lord say, Lord, and He goes, I want to puke right now. That'd be horrific to go to your King of Kings and Him look at you and say, you make me want to vomit. Now, this is what He said to that church. He said, I wish you either hot or cold. In fact, He said, I wish you didn't want nothing to do with me because there'd be hope for you. Or I want you to be totally sold out. But you know what you're doing? You're riding the pine. You're in the middle of the fence. You know, you're trying to live both lives. He said, I ain't playing that game. 
That's tough. Right? Well, we've got to keep our hearts soft. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 says this. Look what it says. It says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That word condemn means this, to judge something to be bad, to find fault with, blame, to know something against. Do you understand? On the inside, you know if something ain't right. I tell our church, I'm telling you as a church, if I'm meeting with you about something that's happened in your life that is not beneficial for you, know this, if we are counseling behind doors, if we're having a private meeting concerning some unrighteousness or an issue in your life, I can guarantee you this, the Holy Ghost has already spoke to you about it, but in private and in an unseen realm, you didn't deal with it when He talked to you, and He uses me in the seen realm to help you alone. I'm not going to be bringing something to you that you're totally ignorant of. There's no person that I've ever counseled with that I know that the Holy Ghost already talked to them about this. Because the Holy Ghost loves us. He lives in us. He's guiding us into all truth. He will talk and deal with us. He'll prune us. He'll communicate anything that will cause issues inside us that we can't receive. He wants us pure. So He's talking to us already about things. And if I'm showing up in the seen realm, most likely it's because you are not heeding what you're hearing on the inside. You're becoming dull of hearing, maybe even hardened concerning this Word. And the Lord's saying, listen, i got a Word for you. For someone in the same realm. Which all that does is confirm what you already got going on on the inside. Some people are like, man, I need a Word of knowledge. And the Word of knowledge they get is, this is what you're not dealing with, this is your problem. Now, we don't want that word of knowledge a lot of times. We want something that feels better. But I'm telling you, if you deal with what, we, what maybe is against us on the inside, then the outside or everything else is going to start falling into place. We've got to put down that flesh. But it says if our, heart does, if, if our heart doesn't condemn us, if something on the inside, there's no fault, no blame. In essence, if our heart stays pure, then we've got some confidence before God. This is why a lot of people don't pray. And I'm not going to get in that sermon. But I'm going to tell you, this is the reason why a lot of people don't pray. Because they really have no confidence before God. Because their heart condemns them. But man, when your heart's right, you can boldly go before the throne of grace. This is the confidence we have before Him. Uh, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing to His sight. This is what our new heart does. It wants to obey God. It wants to do it. Do you understand? Sure, God, I'm going to be honest with you. It could be very easy for me to stay in St. Augustine. Sure it could. Sure it could. But you know what's more important to me? is doing the will of my daddy. I mean, what advantage am I going to get sitting at the house watching TV? Yes, I could get along and pray in the Spirit a little more. I could read and study a little bit more. But the Lord said, come up here and hook up with everybody here and let's continue to grow this thing and let's keep doing the thing that I've already put in your heart to do. And that's why we come with great joy and excitement. Amen. And that's why we can boldly say, Lord, the city's open here. We were singing this morning for Valdosta. You know, um, we speak to our city, be open. Powers of darkness, you have to flee. In this town, strongholds are destroyed. Why? Because we got a message, the message, the kingdom is here. Amen. And it's all we need, a little spark. That's all we got to have. Just a little spark. 
and we'll do something. If our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God that we can ask Him. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. So I want to leave you with that great news is this. If everything stays soft, if everything stays teachable in the realm of the Spirit in our heart, if we continue to love and strive after God, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, if we continue to run after God, then our hearts will not be in a condemning place and we'll be able to stand boldly on the Word of God and His Word cannot fail us at all. Amen. Pastor Marcus, come up here.